Hello and welcome to the Aussie Nerds podcast. I'm Daniel and today I'm with Agent K uh, as we talk about his favorite movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Oh Brother. Where Art Thou? What? I'm right here. Oh good. And then they yeah. just shoot you. Aww. <laughs> Life was so great while I was living it. <laughs> well, thanks for having me. It's It's so nice to connect with people across the the other pond here. I've been uh, talking with some people from the other side of the Atlantic, but you're on the other side of the Pacific, aren't you? Oh, yes. Nice. How is it up over? Yeah. Up <laughs> over, up down. No one one of those. <laughs> oh, God. I, I, um, this would be amazing. I dig it a lot. Yeah, I'm glad you like it. Uh, when we started talking, you asked me, what movie to watch. Like, this is, this is one of my favorite movies of all time. I think I told you that if somebody put a gun to my head and demanded that I say what my favorite movie is, I'd probably say this. I, I struggle with the idea of saying I have a favorite because there's so many movies I love so much, but this would probably be my one answer if I had to have one. I, um, my line's been The Princess Bride for like years as like everyone that listens to this will know because I bring it up constantly. Yes. But the rest of my top 10 list, you can piss off with that. Yeah. That's funny that you mentioned that because that's our next podcast episode is we're doing The Princess Bride. Oh, really? Really? So, I don't know what order these are going to be released, but it might be out already. It might not. So oh, it definitely will. This one be out for a few weeks. Yeah, ours too. We always go a little delayed. We act like we're posting it like the day we're recording, but you know that's not how it works. It's an illusion. It's all an illusion. It's all part of the grand illusion. <laughs> um, I, with mine, I have to like schedule calls. So I can do like five in a day. I think that's my record. Nice. Yeah, so <laughs> this movie is fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. I, and I, I think the best summary is George Clooney escapes from prison and fights the KKK with music. Yeah, it, it's going to be in the Marvel Cinematic Universe here one day because it truly is a superhero movie. It's, it's pretty great. Um, one of them has, a, like a, I'm sure, a really good career, but all I could think of, that's the guy from um, that Johnny Depp movie. Uh, where he steals the guy's story and turns out to be a split personality because it's terrible. Oh, the hidden window. Yeah, hidden uh, window, secret window. Secret window, yeah. Was it John Turturro? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I love him. I'm have sure you ever seen Have you ever seen any of the other Coen Brother movies? Um, What ones did they do? So the Coen Brothers are the guys who directed this movie. And probably their most famous is The Big Lebowski. I haven't seen The Big Lebowski. You haven't seen The Big Lebowski? Oh! oh if anyone yeah. wants to talk about The Big Lebowski, come on, I'll talk about it with you. Get him up. Get him, get him informed. But the Coen brothers, they are known for 
when they make movies, they kind of recycle the same cast. They like to get some of the same people in on the act. So um, John there, as well as John Goodman, they always get their Johns together. Um, they're always in featured in a lot of their movies. They're actually, I think they did double dip with George Clooney. Yeah, yeah, that uh, movie that came out, it's probably been a while now, but it's one of their newer movies, Hail Caesar. He <laughs> was in that too. Uh, that's the one where they're doing uh, a movie with um, about Caesar. Yeah, huh? and he gets kidnapped or something. Yeah, they got to pay the ransom. Right. Yeah, I tried watching that one. Didn't I wasn't as much of a fan of that as Oh Brother and the, also The Big Lebowski and some of their other movies. But they're great. I love their style. I love their humor. Um. The the thing I dig with this is that you got the natural charisma of George Clooney, but like he's like lower class and is a criminal. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's funny, the funny fact behind that is um when George Clooney was actually first given the script, he actually never read it. Um he didn't actually read the script until right before he would perform. Uh, so he had no idea what he was getting himself into but he kind of knew a little bit about his character. So he called up an uncle of his that lives in, I forget if he's from like Kentucky or somewhere in the Southern United States. And his uncle was a farmer. And so he asked his uncle, what do you think of this? What do you think I should do? And his uncle kind of gave him a play by play of how he should portray himself as this scrubby jailbird farmer kind of guy. And that character, totally blossomed because I mean you could tell it's George Clooney but I feel like as an actor this is one of the roles that I always recognize him as because it's so different from the rest of his roles but what's great is that he's playing like a lower class gruff person and a criminal that really really wants to act like he's as good as George Clooney yeah just as suave yeah he's always got his hair combed back yeah, always checking on it. How's my hair? <laughs> you got the guy. My hair. <laughs> That's probably my favorite line in the whole movie is just those two words. Uh, that, it, it's a good running gag. And you had the promise of treasure and that one guy that had two weeks left on his sentence. Yeah. <laughs> if I have two weeks left on my sentence, I would be like, I'll just help you bust down like two weeks. Just go away. Right, exactly. Just... Bide your time, wait it out. Now he's going to be in prison till he's 84 years old. But Delmar's oh God, that was heartbreaking. When I realized yeah. that, like, there was no treasure and that motherfucker tricked them into escaping. Yeah. Talk about, like, when this movie first came out and I watched it when I was younger, I didn't kind of get that concept that he had to lie to them to get them out because there was no other way of getting out himself because he was connected to them on the chain gang. But when I realized that, I was like, man, George Clooney's kind of scummy. Uh, yeah, he's a dick. Mm-hmm. But he gets away with it because he's George Clooney. Yeah, he's the thing. Like, had a familius. Which just makes me hate him all the more. <laughs> the, um, do you know the, uh, what this movie is actually based on, story frame-wise? Did you catch that at all? Uh, no. I don't at think the beginning of... At the beginning of the movie, they had 
um, I believe it was a line from the Iliad or the Odyssey, but this movie is actually based around a lot of the little stories that go on during Homer's Odyssey. And it's the story about Odysseus, who, when the Romans took over Greek culture and decided to rename things, they ended up calling him Ulysses. It um, is about Odysseus or Ulysses' journey back home to his wife after he was fighting in the Trojan War. And during his travels, he was being mean to the gods and wasn't respecting them. So the gods gave him a hard time on getting home. And that's basically what this movie is somewhat acting out. And it's uh, most obvious by that because of his name. His name is Ulysses Everett McGill. And so that's I, subtle. Yeah, yeah, they, they're very straightforward with that. And then there's other things that are very recognizable from the mythological story, like the one-eyed Cyclops man, the sirens. These are all big epic trials that Odysseus had to go through in order to get home to his wife, Penelope, which in the movie, his wife is named Penelope too. And that's, um, oh, what's her name? I love that actress. Holly Hunter. She is a great actress. She is great. Everything she's in, even in The Incredibles, <laughs> like, fantastic. Even when she's animated. <laughs> um, I, I love that it was all based on, uh, on that story, but it makes sense that I wouldn't get it because, like, I watched Star Trek 2 and it took me three goes to realize that the entire plot revolves around Moby Dick, even though they quote Moby Dick and they hold up Moby Dick the book. And it's like, look, this is what it's based on. Hey, when you're in the mind frame for one thing, and they even if they throw that stuff in your face, I mean, it, does, it makes sense that if it flies over our heads. Yeah, that's why we've got to rewatch stuff. Yeah, that's what makes it fun. Mm -hmm. You can find all those mysteries. Like every time I watch Oh Brother, I realize different parts are associated with different trials that Odysseus had to go through like the baptism scene mm -hmm. that actually that baptism scene has something to do with one of the trials Odysseus went to where he found a bunch of people that were they were kind of like an occult and they were eating these flowers and all his men Odysseus's men were like brought in by this cult and they had to pay the consequences I think that's when one of them or all of Odysseus's men were turned into I think it pigs in the story, but in the movie, obviously, it was Pete was turned into a toad. Oh my god, when he got turned into a toad, <laughs> and and then George Clooney's just going along with it. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like how he keeps side-eyeing him. Like he he's saying out loud, I'm just not sure that's Pete, but you can tell how he's side-eyeing him that he's he's not solely convinced that it's not Pete. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that. I'm like because at first he's like, that's definitely not Pete. Pete doesn't yeah. randomly turn into a fucking toad. <laughs> but he keeps looking at him like, maybe, nah, it can't be. But maybe. <laughs> uh, the fact that like I was like, maybe, just shows how over the, uh, uh, cartoony and over the top this movie is. Mm -hmm. Where I'm just like, I mean, I buy it. Yeah. <laughs> but he doesn't turn into a frog. Yeah. It's a it's quite fantastical a lot of things that happen, but um 
Yeah. I'm pretty I, sure I, I when I first watched it as a kid too, that was another thing where I was I was like, oh he, shoot, he's a toad now. But yeah, they pulled that back. I'm I'm glad that they didn't go that far. Yeah. But I'm glad that like well like maybe maybe the movie could get away with this. Quite possibly. It shows the level. It shows the level that we're working with. Mm-hmm. God, I love this movie. Isn't it great? Mm-hmm. What do you think about the music? I love the music. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's good country music. Yeah, the um, the soundtrack. <coughs> it's in like especially in the United States around the area that I am, the Appalachian area. Mm-hmm. That soundtrack was actually probably bigger than the movie was because it had so many folk songs on it that are engraved into Appalachian history, such as like, I'll fly away. Uh, you are my sunshine, of course. You are my These are all classic, classic folk songs. When was and You Are My Sunshine written, do you know? I think it was written originally in the early 20th century there. Um, I don't know when it was actually published because like a lot of songs in that time, they were performed like people would sit there and perform them play them but nobody was having recording equipment so like in the united states here a lot of the folk music is contributed to the carter family um and the reason that is is because they had recording equipment and they would just go around to different states and sit down with people and be like hey i'm gonna record us playing and they would do that and then they would say, oh, this is our music, even though they might not have written it, but they were just the first to record it. Uh, according to Google, You Are My Sunshine came out in 1969. Really? Uh-huh. That can't be right. That can't be right, because that's an old song. And that's the thing, is it might have uh, been first... Might have been first recorded later on, but yeah, that song is... Popularized yeah. by Jimmy and Charles in 1939. So Google doesn't know what the fuck it's going on yeah. about. But still, 1939, that's still after the events of Oh Brother Art Thou took place. Yeah, but like, okay, this movie sucks. I got the dates wrong. <laughs> yeah. Moulin Rouge. Uh, See, this is, how, this is how well I know it. The movie takes place, I believe, in 1937. And how I know that is there's a calendar in the back of the room of when they first go to the recording studio, there's a calendar on the wall that says 1937. So that's how much of a nerd I am about this movie. So that means they were wrong on the date of that because it wasn't recorded until 1939, it's saying. So. Well, it just says it was popularized by Jimmy Davis and Charles Mitchells in 1939. So. Oh, okay. So maybe so it did. They record, so George Clooney and his crew recorded it. Yeah, yeah. Popularized it two years later. Right. They they should definitely give the Soggy Bottom Boys credits for that. Oh, definitely. It's mm-hmm. not like Moulin Rouge, because probably the best thing about Moulin Rouge is when we're in like 1899 and they're doing a play about a nun singing on a hill. And yeah. then... And just sing sound of music. I'm like, fuck you. This is great. This is fantastic. Or this like in a, a Night's Tale, the um, uh, Heath Ledger movie. 
when yeah. they're all sitting there, they're like medieval times sitting there, like slapping their knees, stomping their feet, singing, we will rock you. Oh, that reminds me. My sister's boyfriend wanted to record that. Yeah, that's a good one too. Uh, it's a sports movie in the Middle Ages. What's not? It really is. Love? Right. <laughs> I never looked at it that way, but that's so true. It is a sports movie. Uh, I, I need to get on that. Yeah. Um, I love that the, the guy that's the head of the KKK in this section is just such a fucking nerd. Yeah. He sucks. He's the worst. But he's the friend of the little man. <laughs> I'm the friend of the little man. Say, so, I'm part of secret organization. I don't think you all need to hear about that. <laughs> Which is hilarious because he's in such a stupid racist bubble. Right. These people be on board. Even when, he though, says the, when he says the phrase, these boys desecrated a fiery cross. Like he didn't realize. It's the like, greatest thing ever. Yeah. him getting thrown out. Fuck right. that. I'm pretty sure they beat racism with country music. Yeah. Thank God for country music, man. <laughs> when they cut the wire and the whole fucking cross balls out. It's great. Because cause first they like throw a spear or something. Yeah, that uh, that scene where he uh, this they threw the spear, that's a reference to the Odyssey there because they took a fiery... In the story, they took a fiery log uh-huh. and they set up this trap where Odysseus and his men were hiding in the cave of the Cyclops. And they were actually dressed in, get this, they were dressed in sheep's wool to make themselves look like sheep. And what's funny about that is, like, if you think about it, the robes that they're wearing in this movie are white. So, small little reference there. But um. it, the story they took that giant log pole and shoved it in the cyclops's eye so that spear almost going in his eye was a quick little swerve where they were like oh it's just like the story but oh he catches it midair because john good awesome. yeah and was just like yeah and then the cross <laughs> falls on his face and he's like he has a real good old fuck face yeah <laughs> with his one eye displaying it uh so he got his comeuppance that's, I need to what, read this story. It sounds boss. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's an awesome story. I mean, it's one of the oldest stories of all time. Like, fight me, Bible. But, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's definitely a, a great tale. It's, obviously, it's adapted because when it was originally told, Homer didn't write anything down. So this story was just retold throughout history. But that's like most mythological, like Greek mythology stories. But yeah, you should definitely check it out. I'll definitely do that. I, I can't believe it. I drew parallels between Paddington 2 and Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> I think this might be better. Yeah. Uh, Paddington and Shawshank Redemption. Is yeah. there a scene where the bear uh, is crawling through like a pipe of stool and... <laughs> comes out on the other side and rips off his shirt, screams out into the rain. They cut that scene out. Oh, that's that's a shame. Oh, good, good. Instead, uh, he breaks out of prison using a hot air balloon. Oh. Paddington 2 is awesome. I haven't seen that yet. Uh, it's, It's a great prison movie. 
I have an episode. Should I see Paddington the first? Uh, sure. Yeah. They're both delightful. Delightful. Uh, oh, I love it. George Clooney has a natural charm, but I can't, but I don't know any of his characters. He's just George Clooney doing various things. Yeah. And I think that's where they went wrong with him as Batman, because, I mean, that was never believable. It was George Clooney in a Batman movie. I don't know. I think he. I think they hired him because he'd make a great Bruce Wayne. Right, right. <laughs> That's funny you say that because I, I'm never one to really follow bandwagons. That some of my favorite movies, movies that I absolutely love, are movies that people like to, like, kick in the mud all the time. Like one of my favorite Star Wars movies is The Phantom Menace. I love that movie. I love Liam Neeson, and the the Batman movies, I love them all individually, but the one thing I get on a soapbox about is all the people who've played Batman, I feel like either did well with being Batman or Bruce Wayne, and I don't think anybody has quite mastered the combination of the two. Uh, Kevin Conroy. Yeah, oh, except for Co- Kevin Conroy. His voice, oh my gosh. But <laughs> Every time... Yeah, uh, you're right. Uh, Michael Keaton was a great Batman. Uh, Val Kilmer. Uh, Val he was- Kilmer, he was a good Batman, I would say. He was way too, I don't know, just as Bruce Wayne, he, I don't know, it just was too monotone, too. Too much like Batman. Right, exactly. Um, and then, okay, with Batman and Robin, right? The scene where, like, Alfred is sick and, like, they have the fireside. Um, th- th- he's on his bed by the fire. Mm-hmm. That, those scenes are amazing. Yeah. And, you know, talking about, like, Batmans, like, who can play a good Batman, like, that is Alfred to me. Oh, I can't even remember that actor's name. He's He's since passed away, but... Whenever I think of Alfred as a character, it's that actor. Oh, by the way, another uh, good live-action version of Batman was Adam West. Oh, yeah. Because, like... Nobody uh, dances like Adam West Batman dances. No, and he did uh, a couple of animated movies as well. Oh, he did? Uh Uh-huh. He did Return of the Cape Crusader in, like, 2015... And uh, just before he died, he did um, Batman versus Two Face. Oh wow! Yeah, I think um, so. Return of the Cape Crusader is really good, but it uh, is a parody of every other uh, Batman movie. But uh. but um, Return of the uh, but uh, Batman versus Two Face is the Batman 66 movie with them like a massive budget because it's a cartoon. So they just go to space and shit. It's great. Yeah. I love it so much. Uh, Michael Gough. Gough? Gough? G-O-U-G-H. Let me see here. Yeah. Michael Gough, that's him. Gough, if it's French. Because, um... What's his name? Uh, oh my gosh, why can't I think of his name? The guy from Muppet Christmas Carol. 
Um, uh, yeah, that guy. Michael Caine. Why couldn't I think of his name? Come on. I couldn't either. Anyway. He, he, he was great, but you can't be cool. <laughs> as long as your name's Michael, you can be Alfred. That's right. Cool. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, so, yeah. So, so George Clooney has a natural charm, natural charisma, and when he says that there's no treasure, because the only reason that guy with two weeks to, on his um, sentence broke out was because he was promised treasure. Mm-hmm. When he realized there was no treasure, he just beat the shit out of him. And I'm like, yes, do it, because you're a piece of shit. Yes. Not only that, but at the end of the movie, really, George Clooney it like started painting a picture of like everything turned out fine for him. Like all these things he put his friends through, put his, like basically his brothers through. It's all okay. It doesn't matter because he got the girl, everything's fine. But at the end, she's, uh, his wife's walking away. It's just like, there ain't going to be no wedding. So I'm sure, I'm sure that made you feel good too. Not only did he get beaten up by Pete, but his wife, like, is so done with his bullcrap. Yeah, but, like, she's still with him. True. Um, True. Well, that's the true punishment, because now she can be mad at him and, like, keep him in line the rest of his life. So <coughs> there's another life sentence for him right there. Take that, Mary. Take Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope my wife doesn't listen to this. <laughs> uh- That'd be funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, uh, but I like that. I like that at the end, he's like, oh, well, these people like you and I want to get reelected. So I don't know what your crimes were exactly, but like, <laughs> I'm just going to let you go because you guys oh, are good. people. Hey, that's how we do in the United States. Oh, yeah. If you're famous and rich. Yeah, you're good. Anything. Yeah, except for R. Kelly. He seems to, he seems to not know that formula. <laughs> But. There's um the new Fast and the Furious came out. Mm-hmm. Um, John Hobbs. I I trust me, there is a segue. <laughs> um, and one of the people that wasn't in it, but it was in Fast and Furious, went on a tweeting spree where he's like, I can't believe you made this without us. You should have you should have been part of the family. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> you're getting paid millions of dollars to be the worst part of the movie shut up right. <laughs> it's like i mean you gotta <laughs> you gotta understand as an actor you gotta understand how franchises work that when there's a franchise that's successful there is gonna be a time where they have to switch things up so in this case use different characters or focus on different characters because otherwise the franchise is going to eventually get stale and fail. So they like, they know this. And as an actor, I feel like you should as an art form realize this as well, that sometimes also don't be an entitled dickhead. Right. Right. Sometimes it's important to let things move on without you, but it doesn't mean your character's gonna be written off forever. It sometimes it just needs a break. The best part about that is that he used love is love. And I'm like, dude, as for the gay community. Yeah. Are you allowed much- to is he allowed to use that? 
oh, I don't give a shit. I just thought <laughs> it was funny that he didn't know the context. So he was basically also coming out. Yeah, he uh, he just probably was just lashing out in what other way he could just because he was feeling so bad about it. <laughs> he was just probably jealous that instead of him being in it, The Rock pulled in his cousin and got him some screen time instead. Oh, right. Um, his cousin is the wrestler that got cancer, right? Yeah, Roman Reigns. They tried to make him the face of the company for years. Yeah. Oh, what a struggle. And no, and everyone rejected it. And the only way he could be be a face is by literally getting cancer. Yeah, I I've always been a big fan of him and his performance. Like he was part of the group, The Shield, and he wrestled with uh, John Moxley, who was known as Dean Ambrose and um seth rollins and i've always enjoyed the three of them and they're fantastic wrestlers roman reigns was probably out of the three of them not the best on the mic but still he was he was good at wrestling he had a good character but people didn't like the fact that they were trying to make him a john cena and shoving them down their throats so everybody turned on him on that and the only thing that has turned that around was when he made the announcement that his uh, uh he was no longer in remission from his leukemia because he actually before he started wrestling um he was diagnosed with leukemia and he uh got treatment then and he was in remission this whole time but it wasn't a super well-known fact because he was keeping it kind of private but part of me when he did make the announcement i did wonder i'm like are they trying to do this to bring up face? But I didn't. Uh, I didn't think they'd go that far. Right. There's no way they would go that far. But like, I am, I appreciate the commitment if they did. Yeah. Jeez, Louise. <laughs> I, WWE is an industry that that could be a whole nother discussion, a whole nother podcast. Like oh, no, as an no, industry, no. they have uh, they've done some things that. I, I don't know how else to say it, but it's saying like shameful things. Like they literally had a match about uh, a kid uh, when it was Rey Mysterio and, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, I can't think of it. Eddie Guerrero. Eddie Guerrero. Right. Yeah, when they had the match for custody of uh, Rey Mysterio's kid. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> That sounds hilarious. It was like on all the promos, it showed a picture of his sad son just looking like, <laughs> like, who's going to get custody? Oh, God. If the wrestling world was real, mm-hmm. imagine having a beef with someone and then having to wait like a week in order to settle this. Yeah. And you have to have two minute taped um, promo sessions too for every argument you have. <laughs> and this is why. I'm done doing the dishes on Saturdays. Oh my god! Like um, couples fighting. <laughs> I love it. Wrestling weddings. Oh my god, it's awesome. I um, mean, in my household, that is how we solve most of our arguments. But I can tell you that it usually ends with me in the submission hold, and uh, I'm the one who's tapping out of the argument because <laughs> my wife. She is definitely the powerhouse between the two of us. And it, something like 
she uh, definitely, she's the stronger of the two of us to be very plain and simple, but she also too, she's the one who got me into wrestling. So not only does she have that strength on her side, she knows the technique to make me surrender. But trust me, this, this is nothing sexual. No, it's, it's <laughs> nothing but pain and <laughs> pain and um, what would, uh, like putting good way to put good way to put my pride on the line pain and humiliation right still sounds sexy um, yeah <laughs> pain can be sexy sure some people are into that <laughs> oh this conversation took a turn <laughs> as the do <laughs> let's get back on track because why not what movie were we talking about uh i, I think paddington 2 yeah, <laughs> that's what this podcast episode is about. So, what's which is kind of a shame because I've never seen it. So, that is a shame. Real cot picking shame. What's your favorite? All right, what's your favorite song from the movie? Yeah. Um. Well, like I was kind of telling you with the songs, like when I grew up, I grew up in a family that was. Um, very involved in the arts and especially when it came to a genre my family played bluegrass and folk music and we would have these what we called guitar nights on Wednesday night my uh, aunts uncles and my grandpa would host a guitar night that any friends or family could come over and they would just lay out some sheet music and they'd play songs and a lot of the songs in this movie were songs that I grew up listening to like one of the first songs that I learned how to play on bass was I'll Fly Away, which that song will always be near and dear to my heart. That's a song that my family, we play that anytime we can. We play that at weddings. We play that at funerals. You know, at weddings, it really doesn't make sense to say I'll fly away. That's well, probably not a... fly away with you. Yeah, there you go. There you go. But that song is really important to me but man of constant sorrow let me tell you that song catchy as all get out i love that song yeah uh, the one time that i heard it while watching this movie mm. and i think i'm gonna like be having this soundtrack on loop yeah it's it is such a great soundtrack because even the songs uh without vocals they're such fantastic songs and there's so many times when I was in high school when I was in college that I would be studying and I would put this soundtrack on and it was such a great relaxing soundtrack to listen to and if you do like this soundtrack in this type of music I would recommend listening to one of the people who did most of the songs or at least helped with coming up with the songs for the soundtrack uh Alison Krauss have you ever heard of her um, no. Um, Alison Krauss, she, she sang in one of the songs, I believe. I think it was the song that Siren sang. The Don't You Weep Pretty Baby. I believe she's singing in that. And she, uh, she's had a lot of these songs recorded over the years. She's also performed with the guy who was George Clooney's voice when he sang. Um, that is a mandolin player named Dan Taninsky. He cool. He's part of a band called Union Station. 
And I would highly recommend picking up an Alison Krauss with the Union Station CD. Particularly, they have a live album that is fantastic. <laughs> and they actually, in the live album, because this live album was put on a little bit after Oh Brother Where Art Thou came out, they actually sang Man of Constant Sorrow, and it sounds just like the recording that's in the movie. And you hear the crowd go nuts, and people are clapping through the whole song, just like in the movie. Oh, that sounds really fun. I'll check it out. Yeah. Um, what's your opinion on uh, dubbing songs? It, that's, a good, that's a good thing to talk about, because I feel like it's something that can be done right, but it can also be done so wrong. When you have somebody who doesn't have that right energy about them, they can come across as, it, it will look so insincere, and it will take you out of the moment. It'll very much make you think, that isn't the voice that's coming out of that body right now. But there's other times, like in Bohemian Rhapsody, where I feel like he embodied Freddie Mercury so much that I feel like they could get away with it in that. But at other times, have you seen um, Rocket Man yet? I love Rocket Man. Oh, I love that movie. And that movie, like Taron Egerton, he sang himself and I loved it. It wasn't Elton John and I love Elton John, but it was his own voice singing it and I absolutely loved it. So I think there's definitely a time and place for it. As part of the promotion tour for, um, for Rocket Man, uh, Taron Egerton sang with Elton John at a concert. Oh, that's beautiful. It was so great. Oh, man. I need to check that out here because I'm sure that's an amazing moment. Oh, it was so much fun. They sung Rocket Man together, I think. Oh. Uh, yeah, it was great. And, like, Elton John has been wanting Rocket Man to get made since the 80s. Oh, yeah. I mean, talk about a diva. That guy, Elton John, he's probably won a movie made of himself, like, since he was 15 or something. But the thing is that even though that's all true, unlike Bohemian Rhapsody, it doesn't sugarcoat anything. Like, it's a warts and all uh, biopic. They show him being an arsehole. Right. Uh, and going bored, which Elton John is very <laughs> self-conscious about. I, I was surprised that they did that because he is very publicly known for wearing toupees and such, but... I mean, he's, he doesn't like talking about it. So I'm surprised they put that into the movie because like, he's going to see this and that, that won't make him happy, but he wanted that. He probably told them to do it. It's his production company. Mm -hmm. So he's like, yeah, this is how I make myself not look bald, which I love. And that's why I love uh, Rocketman so much. It's because unlike Bohemian Rhapsody, it, it wasn't done with egos. Right. It's so true to the actual story, which is a wonderful story. Yeah. It's like a sad story. Yes. It's like the struggle he had with his parents and then the struggle he had with finding love and finding uh, his way into relationships. It's, it's quite a tale. And what made me happy watching the whole movie is you know how it ends. You know, he did end up finding love. He now has kids and he has this amazing career, but the whole movie long, I was like, oh, come on, Elton, you can do it. You can find love. I love that um, they, A, like, they don't care when the songs were written. 
but they yeah. tie in the songs to whatever scene is playing. Yeah, just like Oh Brother Arthur, they have no, they don't care when the song is written, they'll put it in there. Exactly, as long as it's kind of in a different way, song, but right, <laughs> uh, they'll put it in where it fits in the narrative. Yeah, and they have some scenes where they actually write the songs, but other scenes where they don't. Yeah, me and my wife, uh, we did a podcast episode. That one we did right after we watched Rocket Man, and I we talked a little bit about that. How my wife, I think she was the one who brought up. How did you feel about them not playing the music according to the age it was actually a part of? Because like one of the first songs he played, Crocodile Rock, I guess when he did have that first performance, he, he didn't play Crocodile Rock at all, but why we felt like it was so important that a song like that, that is so explosive, was a good way for him to explode out into the public eye. So it needed to be played in that scene. And we both agreed that that was something that was great about the movie is they didn't hold back and let that decide on when the music was going to be played. They let it just help tell the story. And because he was in rehab, uh, I can just imagine him forgetting which songs he was playing. Yeah. And be like, I don't know, That's maybe uh, Crocodile Rock or something. I was playing the freaking, I don't know, Candle in the Wind or something. I don't know. Yeah. And my favorite scene was when he felt, this is the Rocket Man podcast, by the way. My favorite scene is Rocket when. Rocket Man he, Paddington podcast. <laughs> it's when he fell into the pool. And you got the uh, him as a kid in a fucking scuba suit and a piano. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe rocks. It, it, no pun intended. It does rock indeed. Oh, no. Pun was intended. <laughs> oh, you're making me cry crocodile tears. <laughs> <laughs> that one was a stretch. Okay. I need to put that away. That was... All right. That was bad. <laughs> uh, it doesn't matter. Um... <laughs> How did you feel about the fact that there was no treasure? That there was no treasure in the end? Yeah. Uh, well, I like to look at it as the true treasure was their friendship. The true treasure is the friends found. you punched along the way. Yes. It's all about the friends you punch along the way. The friends you sit around a fire and eat gopher with. Yeah. You haven't it, lived until you've tried gopher. Right. Hard kill. Man, let me tell you. But yeah, that them not finding the treasure, them not having the million dollars, million point two, um, that that as a plot device swerve was a lot of that was a lot of fun. That really that was something that I don't think had any base in the Odyssey story, um, besides the just being a kind of a guide to get Everett back home to his wife, which was from the Odyssey. He was trying to get back home to his wife. And when he did get back home, his wife was being pursued by a bunch of suitors. And he had to do something to prove himself to her, which in this movie, he sang her a song. In the original story, it wasn't quite as a production. He just took a bow and strung it because he was the only one that could bring that particular bow. That was the equivalent of him singing Man of Constant Sorrow. Um, Man of Constant Sorrow. This fucking movie, it's just like, it's at a level where you're like, yeah, I'll buy it. 
Mm-hmm. Sure, he sings one song and she forgives him for all the bullshit he's done. Right. Yeah, it's like storyline wise, it's such a ridiculous movie, but I I don't know. It's just for me, I was originally like, Yeah, I'm cool with that. Whatever. Hang on a second. Yeah, that gag and everything. Anyway, what were we doing? Poor things. Mine's lying here. She's bored with I think we were talking about Paddington. Oh yeah. <laughs> Dude. Watch Paddington, your wife will think it's the cutest thing ever. And so will you. We will die from cuteness. It's great that Paddington uh, reforms the entire prison by making uh, marmalade sandwiches. What? He, so I thought like the prison was like an end. No, no, he gets arrested for stealing a book. Oh my gosh. He gets framed for stealing a pop-up book which is the cutest crime ever. And uh, he makes friends with a guy called Knuckles. <laughs> the Akinda? Uh, sure. So he, uh, he makes friends with a guy called Knuckles and they think that uh, Paddington's gonna get murdered. Uh, but uh, he throws that mummy sandwich at him and it's the greatest thing he's ever tasted. So he reforms the entire prison through Mama sandwich. It is the greatest movie. I love it so much. <laughs> Oh my gosh. This is probably like, that movie is probably like a flagship for PETA for a while was like, don't kill the bear, just love the bear. No, they're probably like, don't feed bears marmalade sandwiches. Oh, that too. Yeah, that never ends well. <laughs> I mean, I've only done it once or twice in my lifetime, but I can I can speak from experience. Honey. They're more of a, yeah, they're more of a honey sort of thing. Just as poo. Oh, <laughs> uh, wow. Um, oh, yeah. So uh, he goes to his wife. He sings a song, Everything's Forgiven. Mm-hmm. Because it's that kind of movie. Redemption story. Yeah. Everything's all right. What did you think about um, the character Tommy? Uh, which one was that? Tommy, the uh, the guitar player. Oh, yeah. One who could play a guitar real good. Good play real. I like all the characters. Yeah. They're all so lovable. They're all, most of them are so dumb, but they're so lovable. Like uh, Delmar. Delmar is the epitome of dumb. <laughs> but I love him. When they go to, um, when they're on the, the truck and they go past the Pris- uh, prisoners uh-huh um and they see, uh, they see pete. yeah they see pete and george clooney is like what's that fucking pete <laughs> the peacock uh, brother <laughs> what was it though he, uh, he says yeah he says is pete got a brother <laughs> Elmar's like not that i'm aware of he says he must be getting to me <laughs> and then and it's the scene in the movie theater, which but I, I feel like I never laughed harder the first time I saw a movie than those two scenes when they were in the movie theater and then when they actually busted Pete back out. When they're in the movie theater and Pete's just awkwardly sitting there and they're sitting in front of them, he's saying, do not seek the treasure. You piece of shit. <laughs> And they're trying to communicate with each other without alerting the guard. But then when they go to get Pete out of the uh, penal farm 
or penal colony there or whatever you want to call it. Um, and they're trying to bust him out. And uh, George Clooney's up on uh, Delmar's shoulders there. <laughs> and Delmar's like, I can't hold you up much longer. Did you notice, like, as they fell, did you hear Delmar say, that's all I got? And then they just fell. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so odd and ridiculous. I love it. I say that line all the time when I'm holding something heavy, as opposed to saying, like, I'm losing it. I'll just say, that's all I got. And they just drop it. <laughs> um, See, which is really bad when you're helping somebody hold like a car over their head or something and the jack lets loose and it falls on them. See, it's, it's not as funny then, but still, I get a little chuckle. Still a bit fun. Yeah. As they, they get crushed to death, they're like, <laughs> that was funny. Once, like, once, yeah, once they get out of the hospital, they understand that it was just all a bit. They're like, oh, uh, I get you. I, I, my favorite... The, my favorite line, uh, someone's, I listened to a lot of podcasts and someone's dad really likes uh, Series of Unfortunate Events. The uh, and, Netflix series no, or the, the books? The movie. Oh, the movie. Yeah. Oh, Jim Carrey. And Jim Carrey, uh, yeah. it says, intrude, which is a fucking great line to say <laughs> to people. <laughs> oh, talk about a master of delivery. Uh, I really like that movie. Yeah, I actually haven't watched it entirely through, but that's one of the movies that I was surprised when I was watching it. I was like, this is a lot better than I thought it was going to be. It's a bad adaptation, but a good movie. Yeah. Um, I I really dig um, movies that are super quotable. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. and you found the right movie here. Well, your favorite, one of your favorite movies is Princess Bride. Talk about oh, yeah. the most quotable movie of all time. Oh, yeah. That entire script, I could re- recite it just like that. Yeah. No more <laughs> rhymes now. I mean it. Does anybody want a peanut? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. <laughs> oh, man. That phrase goes along with my life because I I like to sometimes make up my own language and just say words and see how long it takes people to realize. I don't think that's applicable in this situation, but it's all good as long as they get what I'm I'm bringing up here. <laughs> my favorite one is every time I have to explain something to people, I say, let me explain. No, it's too long. Let me sum up. <laughs> Let's explain. No, let me sum up. <laughs> Three's fucking great. Uh, I want someone else to have it as their favorite movie so that I can actually uh, talk that's, about it. That's the thing is that's why I can't pick a favorite movie because I love that movie so much that I think I have like a top 10 list, I could say. But uh, there's just so many things because like Princess Bride, that would probably be my favorite, I guess like indie film you could call it. I don't know if it really ever could be called an indie film, though. But that movie is just so funny. Just like you said, so quotable. It's oh, it's so fantastic. I can't wait. Yeah, me and my wife are going to sit down and watch it. And how our podcast works is we take turns picking movies. And the whole premise is we came up with the idea of this because we were sitting on the couch. We didn't know what we wanted to watch. And we were saying to each other, what should we watch? 
which was going to be the original title of our podcast, but somebody else had that one. So we changed it to, um, or I'm sorry. Yeah, that's what we ended up calling it. What should we watch? But we were going to call it, what do you, what do you want to watch? But somebody else had that name. And we like this time it was my pick for the movie. And since the idea of coming up with this podcast, this has been the movie that I've been wanting to do so badly. And the last movie we did was an 80s movie. So I was like, okay, let's segue. 80s movie to 80s movie. Let's go. <laughs> I um I got to meet Carrie Elwes at Comic-Con. Really? Uh-huh. Like I got, recently? Uh, uh, yeah, like last year. Oh my gosh. It was That's so awesome. Funny. Is I he thought... is he as cool as he is in real life as he is uh, in the, on the big screen? <laughs> three things make him the greatest. Number one. For my uh, picture that I had with him, I'm wearing a an As You Wish t-shirt, right, with fucking nerdy glasses and terrible hair. And the motherfucker Perfect. is wearing a leather coat, sunglasses, <laughs> slicked back hair. <laughs> he sounds like he looked like a slob. Oh, God. Yeah, it's great. Disgusting. Leather jackets? Ugh. <laughs> so, so that was awesome. Uh, also, he yeah. did a... Um, it, unlike most other people there, he did like a, a public Q and A. Oh, really? Right? Yeah. So like we just all went into a hall, and he did a Q and A on uh, mainly Princess Bride, but uh, but other stuff he's done too. Yeah, I um, have you watched Stranger Things? Uh, no, not yet. I was watching the third season of that, not knowing that suddenly on the screen comes Carrie's, and I was just like, oh my gosh, he's in this. <laughs> like at first i was looking at the character that he is he plays he's like the villain kind of character he's the scummy mayor in it um and i was looking and i was like that guy kind of looks familiar and then <laughs> when they had a shot of him somewhat straight on mm -hmm. i was like oh my gosh it's my dear sweet wesley <laughs> <laughs> it's I a dread pirate roberts oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> when <laughs> <laughs> when she pushes him down the uh down the hill and he goes as you wish at that point i'm like this is the best of all time did you ever do that as a kid did you ever roll yourself down a hill yelling as you wish oh no i didn't see him until like two years ago oh really yeah i thought that it was the sequel oh. to diaries oh gosh no oh yeah i thought i love princess diaries by the way but like I thought it was the bad sequel to Princess Diaries. Yeah. Because it's like because it was about her wedding and whatever. Oh, like, okay. Watch it, and then like people kept bringing it up. I'm like, this Princess Diaries sequel is actually yes. it sounds people like it's pretty good. Really like the idea of a Princess Diaries sequel. <laughs> <laughs> like Stand Over Empire Strikes Back. We think we have the best <laughs> sequel of all time coming in. The Princess Bride here. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, turns out that it's actually my favorite movie ever. And also Princess Diaries is pretty good. Yeah, there, there is there is a sequel to that too, right? Oh yeah, it's called uh, Princess Diaries to Royal Wedding. Ah, uh, so you were close. You, yeah. I understand the mix up there. It was related to Bridedom. Mm-hmm. But... That is a good movie. I love um, Julie Andrews, so. 
how do we get people to be on board with this really silly, uh, cheesy girl movie? Julie Andrews and... Um, Put freaking Mary Poppins in it and you'll be good. Yeah, Julie Andrews and the other one. Um, the lead actress. Yeah. What's I'm, her face? I'm rapidly Googling. She was Catwoman. Catwoman. And good things. And I, uh, Anne Hathaway, yeah. Anne Hathaway is, she's one of those actresses that in Hollywood, she has a doppelganger. So I always have trouble like thinking of what movies Anne Hathaway's in where I'll be like, oh, like Anne Hathaway in this movie or that movie. Like I was telling somebody the other day, I was like, I thought Anne Hathaway's voice in Phantom of the Opera was really good. And they were like, she wasn't in Phantom of the Opera. I'm like, no, no, she was. They were like, she was in Les Mis, not in Phantom of the Opera. And I was like, no, I am certain she was in the Phantom of the Opera with Gerard Butler. And I sat down and watched it a little while later. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is not her. That is um, who I always confuse her for, uh, Emmy Rosam, the girl from Shameless. You ever seen that show, Shameless? Uh, no. Uh, it's a Showtime show. It's fantastic. It's about... Uh, a family in uh, South Side of Chicago, which is definitely a uh, lower income area. And so it just kind of shows, it's a, it's a story about like a family that lives on the edge of society and kind of makes their own rules. Sounds it's a like fantastic show, but she's the lead in that show. And that's what she's most known for. But I always confuse her with Anne Hathaway in every movie that each other is in. Holy shit, Joel Schumacher directed this? Really? He directed Phantom of the Opera, which, like, now that I think about it, it sounds like him. Uh, he also directed... Oh, my gosh. I love Phoneberry. Everything comes back to Batman and Robin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the best movie ever made. Oh, the last, the last thing he did was um, Trespass in 2011. So he's still working. That's pretty good. Trespass. Oh, Nick Cage. Nice. That's that's why he hasn't done anything else. He's he's reached directing the, the pinnacle of directing is he directed Nick Cage. Once you direct Nick Cage, there's nowhere else to go. He stole the he stole the Declaration of Independence. How do you right. not love him? Uh bees don't like him. I can tell you I that. I love Nick Cage. Because he he's a great actor, but he'll be like all right, so do you want me to, like, be serious and good or dumb? And usually it's dumb. Yeah. But have you seen Mandy? No. I love Mandy. Yeah. The whole thing is like, it's like you're on drugs for the whole movie. Fantastic. Um, <laughs> See, that's how I felt watching um, a couple months ago. I was up late and on TV came on the Sorcerer's Apprentice. That's how I felt watching that movie. It was like, how in the world did they get the people with the most dullest sounding voices to play the leads in this? They got the dude who's the voice for Hiccup and How to Train Your Dragon and then Nick Cage. And the two of them are like, we gotta do this. No, we gotta do this. You're gonna be a Sorcerer's Apprentice. I can't be a Sorcerer's Apprentice. That's the whole movie. That's a good Hiccup impression. Thanks. Oh, oh gosh, thanks. 
I fucking love How to Train Your Dragon. I love Me that entire too. trilogy. I haven't seen the third one yet here. My wife watched it on a plane ride here. We, um, I was trying to catch up on Captain Marvel. I haven't seen it yet. And so I watched that, but she watched How to Train Your Dragon 3. But I was kind of watching it over her shoulder, and I was a little sad that I didn't choose to watch that instead because How to Train Your Dragon 2 that's probably in my top 10 list again, returning to that. I oh, yeah. love I have, that movie. I have about 45 movies on my top 10 list. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a jam-packed top 10. Yeah. There's my, I have like my favorite romantic comedy, which is uh, About Time. Oh, I love that movie. Uh-huh. That, the song from the uh, main theme from that is my wife's ringtone when she wakes up in the morning. And so the last time I watched that movie, I had like this ugh kind of feeling when it started playing that. And I realized it's because, oh, it's because my wife's alarm. <laughs> That's funny. That's a funny little side story, but that is a wonderful movie. Mm -hmm. It's um, my favorite book is The Time Traveler's Wife. Mm -hmm. And that movie about time is a great adaptation uh, of The Time Traveler's Wife. Yeah, and like, what's great about that movie is, I mean, I feel like the time travel is like secondary to the plot. Which is it's, how most time travel movies should be. Yeah, exactly. It's not the main drive of the film. It's just this love story that happens to be about these people that can time travel. I and, love that, um, that, other, that we don't see all the times that time travel happens. Right. Like his dad can time travel. And his dad's Bill Nye. And my favorite line is when he's like, are you time traveling? He's like, yeah. <laughs> and, then what, and then he's like, what happened? I, I may have hugged you. And then he just hugs him. It's like, yes, break down the Britishness and just hug. <laughs> break down the Britishness. There's, not there's hugging just, is a very British thing. And I, just, I'm not for it's it. It's just a time to not be British, you know? Yeah, exactly. Cry or do it. Or hold each other. Hold each other. Have emotions. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Let yourself feel for once. <laughs> I love I love Bill Nye. He's like is is there something wrong with him? Like does he have some sort of neurological disorder or something? Because he always seems like he has a tick. I might have a tick, I'm not sure. Yeah, but anyway, That's like he's strong. he's fantastic and yeah, he he's wonderful. When like he, one of my favorite roles he is is when he's in uh, Love Actually, when he's the rock star. Oh, I fucking love about time when he um, does the wedding speech and he's like, mm -hmm. "Oh no, I should have said that I loved you." Which yeah, another British thing. It's like, why would you need a second chance to say that? Uh, and, and then he just was like, "I'll do what I fucking like." So it was like, oh, yeah, I'm trouble. I fucking love that movie. I'm adding it to my top 10 list now. Hang on. <laughs> Put it in at number 46 on your top 10 list. <laughs> I always um, switch out my top, my 10th movie. Yeah, that, that's, that's totally fine. It doesn't every have to be time, written stuff. Every time I do another episode of this, I'm like, should I put that on my top 10 list? Because it's fucking great. It's fantastic. And this is like the... Thirtieth or fortieth, I forget, but it's been great. <laughs> oh. oh 
what a journey. What a journey. Uh, we, we've gone around the block. We sure have. With all these movies. We've gone all around the world, as the talking heads would say. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, that's pretty good. Um, anything else you want to talk about um, with a bird that we're out there? Um, I just want to talk about how it lacked Paddington. I mean, I know. It could have been a little bear connected to the fourth chain. And <laughs> Would have just made homily sandwiches. Right, would have made that movie just that much better. I think if we've discovered every anything about a brother way out now, is that you should definitely watch Paddington too. Right, that is the <laughs> takeaway from that movie. I think it's on the back of the box. Um, if you have the DVD, it says starting to like explain the plot and the actors, and it's like you know what, just go watch Paddington too. Thank me later. Yeah. I think uh, Roger Ebert's quote on the box is, uh, it's really good, would have been great if there was a bear handing up my late <laughs> For sure. But yeah, <laughs> I, I would just say like for anyone who hasn't seen O Brother Art Thou, or even if you haven't been a fan of it, give it another try. It, it is such a fun movie. And, and you have to go in knowing that it's basically a cartoon. Right. It's a lot like this podcast has been. It's all over the place, but that's okay. Like the people making it are having fun and you can have fun listening or watching it too. Exactly. So basically this podcast is as good as Oh Brother, We're Out Now. Right. <laughs> if, if not with a better soundtrack, I must say. Our soundtrack <laughs> has been off the chain. Oh. I'm going to wait for my platinum record in the mail here. Uh with that uh, hiccup impression, you're going to go double platinum. Oh, yeah. Definitely <laughs> going. Going double platinum, Dad. Oh. <laughs> oh, God. All right, now we have to hear your Gerard Butler. I set you up. Gerard, does he sound like? Is, he's, he's, is he an Aussie? I don't know every Aussie. Yeah, don't you guys know each other? Oh, no, he, no, I'm, I'm thinking of... Barbecue. I'm thinking of, um, what's his name, Russell Crowe. Oh, we know Russell Crowe. He's my uncle. Yeah. Yeah. I, I assumed. <laughs> Sorry. I, I, that was incredibly racist of me. I give a shit. <laughs> Sorry, Russell Crowe. I, I hope I didn't hurt your feelings, man. Yeah. The idea that he's related to me, he's way too good for that. Yeah. No, 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 no. Other way around. Other way around. Uh, You're a good chap. This has been so much fun. It has. Thanks, thanks for having me aboard here. This has been quite a fun journey. It didn't go exactly where I thought it was going to go, but hey, I loved, I loved the journey. This is pretty much on par for where my episodes usually go. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, I, I took a listen to a couple of your episodes um, when we first started talking, and then I listened to another one. And so it was like, all right, there might be some separation from the movie, but it <laughs> sounds like he's cool with that. So just let it happen. Exactly. This is like, we use the movie as a jumping off point that we have a conversation about whatever we want. Yeah, perfect. I love it. <coughs> we need to, right. me and my wife need to allow our podcast to have a little more uh, laxness with it here. Um, we set ourselves up to try to get through a movie in an hour's time here and we, we sometimes we just stop to smell the flowers and discuss Paddington too, you know? 
All right. If nothing else, on your podcast, do Paddington too. <laughs> that will, like, I, I hope my wife doesn't listen to this because I want to just see her reaction when I'm looking her face to face. And when I tell her what movie I'm going to pick for the next week, and I'll just say with the straightest face in the world, Paddington 2. And I just can't wait to see the look of bewilderment on her face. Uh, like, which is, where did that come from? Which is hilarious because, like, I'm going to have no context because you didn't watch the original Paddington. But I think you can get away with it. So for a takeaway, what three movies do you think I should watch then? Well, you're already watching Princess Bride, so good for you. Okay, I'll uh, watch it for the 467th time. Yeah, watch Paddington 2. Paddington 2. The Love Witch. The Love Witch. Which is like, that just, wow. Um, and what's another good one? No, what's another weird one? I'll watch Empire of Corpses. Empire of Corpses. Which is a Sherlock Holmes zombie movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm definitely like, the minute you told me about that, I was down with that. That looks up my alley here. <laughs> uh, such a great, weird movie. And and I was like, like I, is it really just Sherlock Holmes, but like a prequel? And it's, yeah, it is. It's so great. <laughs> it is. All right. I'm going to give you your homework assignment. So you have to watch right. The Big Lebowski. All right. You have to watch... Um, I'm going to throw this one out there because it's one of my favorite films. Have you ever seen The Last Unicorn? I own it. I haven't seen it, though. Oh, if you own it, you got to put that in tonight. I want to watch that tonight. Fantastic movie. Another movie with a great soundtrack. There's only, like, one song on it, but it's, the score. it's great. Yeah. Oh, the score alone. Oh, I love that movie. But uh, what would be the third? Um, I'd say Paddington 3. You got oh. to see it when it... <laughs> inevitably comes out i will have a bonus episode uh for paddington 3 i promise you're gonna have to have a release party like <laughs> the night it comes out just have this massive podcast everyone you ever talk to just comes together and it's just this cacophony of discussion on paddington 3 oh i the reason i saw paddington th uh paddington 2 is because someone uh requested it Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna invite him back on when paddington 3 comes out <laughs> i love it oh well man oh it's been, been a blast man we're gonna have to do this more often uh I, I i'll come on your podcast dude anytime for real we uh we have been in the talks of opening up our because our our show really screams having guests on it it's definitely set up for that because the title alone yeah exactly the title alone it just says like we can have a guest on and they bring something forward and the whole idea is we we start the recording by talking about what we're going to watch and then we actually stop recording and then we go watch it so that way we get the fresh like what the heck did we wa just watch response or the oh my gosh oh my gosh that was wonderful the i think the only time we didn't truly stick to that theme was when we did our spider-man into the spider-verse episode when we were um on the plane and we pointed out it's because they don't allow sound equipment on planes like that at least anymore that's true but i think the longest i've gone between watching the movie and doing the podcast is that i watched 
uh, the apartment about three weeks before I recorded the podcast because I lost my voice. Oh, yeah. What can you do with that, man? I was uh, so I nervous with our last episode. I almost lost my voice because I was. we were up all night doing karaoke with some <laughs> friends. And I almost blew my voice out singing Meatloaf's Paradise by the Dashboard Light. And uh, we sit down to do the recording. And we're, we, of course, we're doing the never-ending story. And I have to sing the song <laughs> during the recording. And the first time I sung it, my voice, of course, cracks. But, you know, when I was sitting there editing it, I was like, you know, just let it happen. Just, just let it out. Show, show the people the real me. <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah, it's hard to be 30 and uh, going through puberty, let me tell you. (laughs) I can't wait. Well, brother, it's been a pleasure. It's been really good. Um, So, all your things. Where can the people find you? Oh, yeah. So, we, our podcast, What Should We Watch with Kanye, is on iTunes, Spotify, I guess it's Apple Podcasts now. iTunes no longer does the, uh, or maybe they still do, but they're, I think they're trying to wean out doing the podcast, but it's going to be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and we are looking to expand more. Uh, we're going to be on Google here in a little bit, and uh, what is it, Podcoin, as well as YouTube we are going to be putting up our episodes on YouTube and eventually uh, throughout this year, I'm uh, going to be doing little snippet uh, episodes. Uh, Me and my brother had actually had a small gaming channel and I was going to somewhat morph the gaming channel and this uh, podcast into one concept, just bringing pop culture together in one and make some fun, um, some fun videos about pop culture so they can find us our episodes on any of those platforms as well as on facebook and instagram we're at what should we watch podcast i forget there's always the podcast at the end and then twitter (laughs) handle is wsw watch podcast so yeah check us out we uh on our uh, social media we play games every day we always post something up some sort of statement or something and we like to play little trivia games with people and we're starting to do um, competitions where first person who responds or people that respond with the most creative answers they get a shout out on our podcast episode so that's going to be somewhat fun and we with the last episode we did it and um, it's been kind of cool to hear the people's responses and we're hoping that'll continue to expand what was the question the question that we asked for, it was Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. We, we asked a couple, but the one question was, how much older is Gwen Stacy than Miles Morales in Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse? And it was a quick little throwaway line that she says at the end. And we have a winner on Instagram and a winner on Twitter. And so we do that announcement. But some of my favorite things was we also said some of the answers to some of our side questions because I asked what is your favorite Marvel comic book sound effect and (laughs) I threw out like some of the most famous ones like Spider-Man's Thwip, uh, Wolverine, uh, and my favorite Nightcrawler's Banff 
but somebody said the Thanos snap and both me and my wife went, oh, that, that's a good one. Yeah. Iconic. <laughs> Bam. Oh, it sounds but, like a fun time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's fun. It's fun talking with you on social media too. And uh, all, all the other movie podcasts out there. It's, it's a great community. It's very warm and welcoming. And I love just interacting with everybody else's posts. It's so much fun. Uh, it, it's been heaps of fun. You can follow me on Twitter at Aussie Nerds Pod, on Facebook, Aussie Nerds Pod. If you want to be on this podcast, tweet me uh, and we can talk about your favorite movie or secretly the worst movie, but you say it's your favorite so you can trick me into liking it. You bastard. Uh, How dare they? (laughs) Every Thursday, new episode comes out. Uh, I just finished up um, a guest spot on IMDb Journey. Uh, and they do uh, Pod v Pod, which is movie podcasts versus each other in movie trivia. Nice. I thought that I was going to do way worse than I did. So I, oh, really? Uh, so I wrote questions that like I knew and no one else did. Nice. Which is hilarious. But when I realized that I did so well, I, um, I decided to switch out one of the questions. Uh, so yeah, I, I still don't know who won that because like the yeah those those guys are great. I I love their stuff and blind I haven't listened to that episode specifically, but I'm I'm gonna have to check that out. It's coming out uh, this Friday, so like five weeks ago. Oh, okay, perfect. Yeah, so it, it's pretty fun. I kicked their ass. Nice. <laughs> and by kick their ass, I mean I think I got it like two to one. Proud of you. Thank you. Um, So yeah, until next time, goodbye. Bye.